podcast, HIT, Human Resources, Insurance, and Technology. I'm your host, Toby Kennedy. We are dropping into your feed every week on Tuesday with what I hope is a bite-sized, digestible, well-curated conversation of things going on in the space. If you're in human resources, insurance, and technology, I hope you trade me a couple of minutes of your week every week for what we think and hope are really fun, good conversations. This week's episode is brought to you by Montage Insurance Solutions. And without any further ado, let's get right into this week's episode. This week's hit is another a hit chat, a, a chit chat. We are so incredibly fortunate to welcome in Ajit Dandani. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm good. Excited to be here. Ajit with uh, Empathify You. You said that right on yes, the Yes, good yes. deal, good yes. deal. <laughs> and I think the cool thing, and we'll, we'll dive into so much stuff here, but uh, what, I, what I love about Ajit is he has gotten a moniker from the HR community, by the way, of being the guy that can speak KPIs and empathy in the same sentence. That's right. That's right. I, I, you know, so my quick background. So was born an empath, um, fast forward, whacked on the head for t- feeling too much. Uh, like, oh, God, you know, you're a guy, you're not supposed to feel so much. Anyways, moved to the country, became the CFO for a company called United Colors of Benetton. And then realized that my power of empathy actually held the organization together over the financial and organizational strategies that we deployed at the organization. So over the years, the HR community out there started introducing me on stage. Please welcome to the stage, Ajit Tarani, the CFO who speaks empathy and KPIs in the same sentence. So that's, Toby, that's how I got the name. That's pretty cool. I think that that's a really interesting, and we'll, we'll dive down a bunch of rabbit holes, but even just hearing you say, you know, hey, it's possible that my empathy is holding the organization together more than you know your ability to spreadsheet and read key performance indicators. What it, it, talk to me about that? Like even that in and of itself is super fascinating to me. Yeah. See, when we go, when we went to school, or we were never taught really the understanding of empathy was always considered like the soft skill, sure. right? Like it, it almost like a feminine skill. Sure. Right. Yeah. Empathy, though, is a very tactical and strategic power that people can learn. There's a big difference between born an empath versus learning the skill of empathy. So I'm born an empath, but today I teach empathy and we at Empathify You teach empathy as a skill. So when you are trying to build and move fast and go through chaotic times, like we all are right now, think about every day we wake up in the morning and something's happening, right? So when we try to do that, what's happening is the people around us are changing. The outside pressures are changing people. And if we don't have the empathy to understand what's happening, we miss all the cues. Now, what is an empathy strategy? An empathy strategy is a journey of self-awareness, stakeholder understanding, and strategic action. Right. So when you have that kind of uh, arrangement, Toby, it is asking us a very tall ask. It's asking for Toby for you and I to be very self-aware. Where are we right now? Are we really present here, or is our mind here, but we are some our bodies here, but our mind somewhere else? Yeah. A lot of leaders, you know, face that stuff. <sighs> totally. Right. So that self-awareness is missing. So we we do a deep dive into self-awareness, understanding what allows people to be aware, yeah. and then what drives them away from being aware. I'll give you a great example. The focus on values, mm-hmm. right? I'm, everybody has 
company values. Totally. Allows us to stay focused on what's important, what's urgent. But did you know that all of us have seven shadow values? And these shadow values, Toby, dictate what we actually do. So the whole thing about, oh, these are our values is BS. What really drives the culture in an organization are the individual shadow values. And uh, for those of you hearing this word shadow value for the first time, let me just explain. I'll tell you the, the biggest jerk that I knew, and that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I say that because I was a 27-year-old CFO. My stated values were innovate and, you know, just let's create an amazing team. But I was such a young CFO, so control and attention were my shadow values that overtook that. Yeah. Think about how many people you know, Toby, Yeah. that have shadow values of attention, intelligence. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm so fascinated by this because it, it, it marries a couple of things for me. Number one, like you said, the self-awareness and number two, when you hear good leaders and stories of people, um, that, that have folks that want to work for them, want to be managed by them. You often hear things like, you know, I felt like the only person in the room when, when I was with him or her, or I felt really important. Right. And I don't think you can have that come across while you're bifurcating your mind and your body, right? If you're here, but mentally you're somewhere else, the person you're talking to is not going to feel like the only guy in the room, but I feel like you're in the room with them at all. It, it is so difficult. And if it's not practiced, we miss out. Let's, let's talk strategies, right? It. So yeah. think about it. We're in sales. Montage Insurance is a great company, right? Sells insurance and protects people, right? Yeah. Now, as a salesperson, so we do trainings with different parts. We work with HR, we work with the sales organization, we work with the operations. The most important skill that you know this is empathy, yeah. is being present and catching those cues that most people miss. The customer will give us buying indications, but if the person who's on the other side of the phone call is lost in his thought or her thought and is thinking about, the kid who's sick or the parent who needs some care or a wife that's going through a tough mental health situation or the partner, all of a sudden the person is trying to make the sale but just going through a script and not able to stay present and pivot. I And I'll, I'll even back it up further. Daniel Pink wrote a wonderful book called To Sell as Human. So when you're talking about the sale and the customer, the, the point of that book is that we're all in sale. I don't care what your job is. If you're a doctor, yeah. you're trying to sell your patient on eating right. If you're HR, you're maybe trying to sell the CFO on raises for everybody, yeah. right? So moving human behavior and you sort of say, hey, look, the person I'm speaking to currently thinks and feels this, and I would like to show them the value of this other thing. That sales fundamentally, and that applies to human resources and that skill of empathy and listening, I think, you know, it's not just, you know, the, 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 the cold call sales guy on the phone. It's every sale, I use air quotes, that we have to make as professionals in our job anyways, right? Yep. So that brings us to the second part of an empathy strategy, which is the stakeholder understanding, yeah. right? So let's think about the stakeholder understanding portion of that, Toby, right? Our communities have changed. Let me take one example. As I told you, I'm just coming away from a workshop right now. I did it on neurodiversity at work. Now, why is this important? Why should people even care? Why should you as an HR person care about neurodiversity at work? I just want to let you know, in 2019, 3.5% of us showed PTSD symptoms. Today, in 
26% of us are showing PTSD symptoms. And you, the HR folks that have carried the weight for the last few years, 40% of you are showing PTSD systems, but you symptoms, but you don't have the time to go take care of yourself. I know that. And I, I know Toby and I thank you for all the work that you put into 100%. our communities. Now watch this. That same PTSD, which is under the neurodiversity umbrella. Now most people yeah, are those not. are crazy stats. That's crazy stats. I don't stats. mean to derail you, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. So if you're not aware that that's what's even happening to our client base, right. we're just shooting in the dark. If the only tool we have is a hammer, we treat everything like a nail. Right, right. So what's happening with, be, be it you're an HR leader, be it you're an ops, if you don't understand the variance of the people around you, I'll give you my example. I was telling Toby before we got started. The reason why this is really personal for me is because May 28, 2013, there was an incident that happened. That I got diagnosed PTSD. Now, I'm this crazy, loud, Toby knows that. <laughs> like, really love music, dancing. And all of a sudden, something happens in my life, Toby. And I'm seeing my neural pathways change. I'm feeling them change. That's wild, yeah. Took me years. And even to this day, if I don't follow a certain routine, you won't see the smiling face around you. Because yeah. it is. Well, keep the routine up. Right? <laughs> it's good routine. to see that it's smiling good. face. No, yeah. I appreciate that. But I say that because, you know, so many of you have probably said this. Again, I'm calling you in. I've been guilty of that. You know, they're too needy. Oh, they're just too moody. They, the, the whole concept of theism. Right. I've had people say that, oh, this customer, they're just that. Oh, this employee. Oh, this leader. I'm, I'm going to challenge you right now. Stakeholder understanding is about increasing our awareness. So first we have awareness of ourselves. Yes. What are our strengths? What yep. are our values? What are our shadow values? Just small doses of that framework. Then when you come to stakeholder value, stakeholder understanding, what is going on? What is really going on in people's lives, right? Sure, there is a focus on DNIB and and all the other things going on around us. But if we were to really, really understand that just like we've been impacted, mm -hmm. our customers have been, how can we change our behavior? How can we be more, be more present with that? Yeah, it, I talk about this in a, in a different context, but I think they're kind of kissing cousins. But I try to remind people, everyone is the hero of their own story, right? Mm -hmm. You are just a background actor. So when and if they were late, even if they were objectively late, if you, the manager, like, why are you late? You know, in their minds, like, why is this guy cracking down on me? Doesn't he know my daughter was sick or this thing was going on or this, that, and the third, right? Where from their perspective, you're sort of coming in hot because mm -hmm. you're not understanding what went into their day and their moment. And they, more importantly, are not always, and I know we, we just talked about they and, and they yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. But <clears throat> an employee, if we're going to be a good, let me back up. If we're going to be a good manager and somebody has to meet someone in the middle, I think it's incumbent upon us in leadership roles to be understanding of that and to bridge the gap and to coach ourselves up on that empathy skill set you're talking about because the other person in this equation might not. And if I'm trying to achieve a deliverable or a goal or to motivate an employee staff, I might need to do more of the heavy lifting from the understanding and empathy side to yeah. bring us onto the same page, yeah. in my opinion. You, you, you nailed it. You, you're getting into now action and stride. So that, that brings us to the third part of an empathy strategy, which is Strategic action. So I'll give you one tip that has transformed workplace culture. So most of us operate our workplaces through an ultradian rhythm. No, through a circadian rhythm. 
A circadian rhythm is the 24-hour clock mm-hmm. that we have. Mm-hmm. But we're not aware that our bodies operate out of an ultradian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby, I don't know if you're familiar with this framework. I certainly am, but just for the sake of the audience. Could you, <laughs> there you go. Could you unpack this? You know. <laughs> so the ultradian rhythm says that our bodies have this clock that has to reset between 80 to 120 minutes. Wow. So if we don't reset our bodies, and you can see brain scans on this, for people that reset their cell themselves yeah, yeah, between yeah, 80 yeah. to 120 minutes their production goes up their presence goes up yeah. the safety issues right are, right you know you, you just tremendous what happens now if you want to look it up if you go look at the brain scans done by microsoft around this it talks about people operating out of a circadian rhythm that burn out by the end of the day versus somebody that's operating out of an ultradian rhythm and what happens is we have to reset ourselves. So what we teach is a BAM framework. That's my gift. Uh, I know we're connected on LinkedIn. You see every Monday I put something about breathe, yeah. right? So our BAM framework is basically every 80 to 120 minutes for one minute. Now, don't tell me you don't have one minute in 80 to 120. Breathe, get aware of your surrounding, and move. Right? That's the B, the A, the M. The B, the A, and yeah. the M. So breathe. You, you take a breath in. Four, six. And you breathe out six. Now you're like, ah, gee, what are you doing talking about breath work? Listen, in the 30s, we were taking five breaths a minute. In the 70s and 80s, we were taking seven breaths a minute. Today, an average person is taking between 12 and 18 breaths a minute. You need only five to six breaths a minute. That is unbelievable. What are we doing? What's happening here? Okay, 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 okay. So what's happening is we were never taught how to breathe. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, most of us want to hold our gut in because that's how we look good. Yeah. Now, guess who did the research, Toby, around why people my are My wife. No, no <laughs> I, and that's, I typically say that. I didn't do it in my backyard. The research around the fact that people are not taking deep breaths because of the optics and the looks of it comes from Harvard Business Review, not from Toby and R's backyard right here in the San Fernando Valley. I say this to you to let you know that the easiest way for us to reset, we only need about five to six breaths a minute. Now, yeah. I don't expect you to all day be going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like some right? monk, right. Yeah, yeah. But if we can reset yeah. and take five breaths, takes a minute, yep. every two hours, Yeah, we get aware. So we, we have a framework around getting aware. What do you do to get aware of the surrounding move? And the last thing is move. From an isometric on your desk, to dancing, I, I, yeah. I, I have like music playing yeah. and my, my neighbors watch the music turn on, I'll start dancing for a minute, back reset. Yeah. It's, it's like the lumberjack story. I don't know if you ever heard the lumberjack story where the lumberjack who was sharpening the ax yes. every hour got more wood than the guy who just kept. Lincoln said that, if I had 60 minutes to cut down a tree, I'd spend the first half hour sharpening my ax. Right? There you go, <clears throat> there you go. And we're asking you for a minute every 80 to 120 minutes. So that's a strategy that yeah. you can deploy right away. Yeah. Now, here's what that does. Increases our self-awareness, gets us present to yeah. understand the stakeholders that are around us, and then we can solve for that problem at hand at a big awareness of ourselves and what's best for the customer. And, and you know, yeah. I know your style. You always do what's best for the customer. Thank you. And in the end, that's what becomes long-term success. I, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, please never stop talking. Please tell me all this. So if, if someone out there is listening and, and they're as edge of their seat as I am right now, what, okay. So I'm running an HR department. Is this something that I, number one, personally believe in sure, but disseminate to my employees, maybe just to my team. I mean, 
if I'm listening to this episode and agreeing with everything you're saying, what would you, Ajit, say to that person is a good next step or takeaway or something to do from here? We, as an HR professional, specifically to that, so I get a chance to work with Sherm, HRCI, different organizations. And the first thing I'll We met at Pyra. There you go. We met at Pyra. The idea is that you have to learn to translate to dollars and cents. Let's, let's look at this, right? So, for example, right now, engagement numbers, manager effectiveness scores are huge, right? And first of all, the first thing I tell you is understand and track those numbers. Right. Then stop putting Band-Aids. We're stuck at the same numbers of engagement. It'll be for a long time. We just increased manager effectiveness for a client. Now listen to this, and Toby, 25 points in six months. That's unusual. I'm, sure, I'm telling you sure. myself. But it's a home run. I, right. it's a, it was a huge home run. And this is for an organization that's been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. And the idea was because we started solving for the stuff we're talking about. We're go- Empathy is not the Band-Aid. Empathy is getting to the root cause of the problem. So when we get into frameworks around the adaptive leader and teach skills that are taught to Formula One... Right. High-level athletes. High-level athletes. Marines. So now, if you're an HR person, first of all, understand that these metrics you have to track. Number two is understand that empathy is not a... It's a necessary skill. And if you want to check it out, you can come to my our website or anything. Plug your website real quick. Empathifyu.com. Check me out on LinkedIn. But I want you to check out the work that West Point does with their highest performing athletes. Toby, guess what they have in their books? Empathy, resilience, understanding. The best are taught that. We didn't need this before, Toby. Yeah. But now after the last few years, the right. chaos that we've just had. Yeah. You and I need the same level of skills to pay attention, just like those athletes do. Like we, we studied the Australian firefighters that are dropped in the middle of the fire. Yeah, the Guess what boys. they're taught? Guess what they're taught? Self-awareness, stakeholder understanding, and strategic action. Now, this is going to come out in November, you said, right? Uh, yes. November 2023. Now watch this. One year from that day is going to be election. Yes. Yes. So so let me oh, let, let me let me let me talk about the elephant in the room for all our HR folks. There's I'm I'm sure those of you really carefully watching this. The reason why our work has just become crazy, Toby, is right now the demand for our work is political incivility has been tracked for a while. Four elections ago, it was 16 percent. That means one and a half percent out of ten got impacted by political incivility. Last election, 34 percent of us. This election, regardless of, of which political side you stand on. of us are going to experience political incivility, Toby. Meaning my coworkers, my surroundings have political thoughts. They're getting loud about them and they're bothering me because they don't align with my own and or vice versa. So so, Yes, that is what's happening in the body. Now, how does it express itself? A lot of people, when I say political incivility, I just had to talk about it for an organization. They think that we're going to get into a fight. Toby, if you and I are on the other side of the fence, right? If I... I'm engaging in political incivility. I'm like, huh, on social media, I saw Toby's on the other side of the fence. He went to this event there. Uh, we are having this meeting. Uh, Toby gets a last minute invite. Yeah. Oh, we're having a social event. Oh, Toby, I forgot. I, I didn't know I didn't invite oh, you. Yeah. So most of the times it's not a direct infraction. Now we have organizations we work with sure. where there are direct infractions yep. on the floor where people are 
leaning into their political beliefs, but it's yeah. becoming divisive. Yeah. Now, guess what? When that happens, if I am the jerk and you're running the meeting, I'm not contributing my best idea to you. Right. That's what it comes down. Th- this is the Ajit that talks empathy and KPI because you're getting into now some of the measurable parts of why. We're not just here because you have tissues on the end of your, your uh, desk for your employees, right? We're here because there's some movement on the spreadsheet if you do this stuff right. 100%. And so imagine if I can create, and, and I want friction. I If you and I on the other side of the fence, I want empathic friction. I have yeah. friends from every side, every political side. Yeah. The idea is that how can we still be aligned towards the common goal you and I have in a company? Mm-hmm. How do you create that culture within the organization so you and I can even politically be on the other side, mm-hmm. but we're so respectful of each other. We have so much empathy. We're so connected by our stories of who we are as human beings that I say, sure, Toby sits on the other side, but I am still going to stand by him and work towards the goal that we have here. I mean, is that something you can work on with your teams, with your organization? It's it's a skill set. And I'm asking this, as I know it's a leading question, but is it fixed or can we improve it? Oh, we can definitely improve it. And here's what, it's it's an, it's not easy, right? But um, one of the organizations, that's a sister organization of Empathify You that I run, our tagline there, and we teach this to students, is stories inspire empathy mm-hmm. and empathy drives change. Mm-hmm. I can prescribe a framework that you can use in your organization that can start dialing down this political incivility. If it's going to get to 50%, we're going to see innovations drop, we're going to see infractions come up, all kinds of stuff. So that's the third elephant in the room Mm -hmm. that people don't want to talk about sometimes in HR because we don't get into politics. But let's not, let's solve for it. Let's create an empathic place that we can have empathic friction. It's okay to have a difference, but man, We're aligned towards a common business goal. We had a newer manager situation where the manager was really doing a role that, although she had a lot of great background um, that made her something to be ultimately successful in the role, the actual specific specific day in and day out stuff was a little bit too big for her. Mm -hmm. And another manager was really frustrated because it was impacting that manager's department. Hey man, your deliverables, your this, that, and the third. We held a meeting, and I'm, I'm tying this back to your tagline about stories driving empathy and driving change, where we allowed the the manager I mentioned at the start of this conversation to just express, I, I, I'm so honestly over my skis sometimes, and I feel so vulnerable, and I was so excellent at this, 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 that my past life, and I'm now feeling really exposed in this job, and I'm so sorry. It bothers me. I'm used to being a high performer. I'm aware, and just having the other manager in this equation hear that person own up to like, I'm learning as fast as I can. I got thrown into this. Some Mm. of my skills translate. Some of them I'm trying to get coached up on melted all of the animosity away. And those two teams are jiving and humming along now because they know you're not tardy on this report because you're trying to mess with me and my timelines. You're trying to get your sea legs in the reporting features themselves, right? It's not as quick as it was the person before. And so I've personally seen that sort of story, conversation, turn in empathy, and drive measurable change with respect to getting work done. Honestly, let's let's think about this, right? We do a lot of work around manager effectiveness. Yeah. Why is that important? Before 2019, you got promoted as a manager because you were the most effective person or the most knowledgeable person in the room. Yeah. 
you've been around the longest, you know the most, you become the a- IC, right? The individual yeah, you, contributor. Yeah, that, that has performed, and now you all of a sudden become the manager. Right. Right? Before 2019, if it was all effectiveness, it was okay. But today, Gartner says it very clearly. The new manager needs to be adaptive and empathic. <gasps> oh my God, that word again. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because if I'm leading six people, if I think that I'm going to lead them my way, and you and I have seen managers that yeah. just have one way of leading yep. and how they destroy people's lives yeah. and that impact goes into their families yeah. and their houses. So moving from being an efficient lead manager to an adaptive and empathic manager, what that does is your loyalty. You'll see your loyalty go up. You'll see your engagement numbers go up. And what that does is translates to dollars and cents for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the old adage, right? People don't quit their job, they quit their manager. Oh, 100%, more than ever before. And we and it's they were just not trained. So now I'm sure you're seeing a lot of this, that in organizations, if somebody's good at a topic but has zero understanding of people, they become the SME. Right. 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 We, the we, subject matter expert. They right. become the right. subject matter right. expert, the consultant on these topics, but we're not going to let you lead people. We're going to pay you. Yeah. But we're not going to let you destroy our people that we work so hard to find. Yeah. That's a strategy that we must follow. Yeah. And earlier when you talked about, look, hey, it's not common. It was this home run, 25% bump. The thought that came in my head was, and honestly, it, it tells me two things. One, you're doing great work and you're great at your job, but two, there was enough room for growth. That person had enough space left. And I think that's getting more and more common as we talked about efficacy of managers earlier. Unfortunately, like you said, some of these individual contributors that did a great job at XYZ Project, now they're getting thrown into managing. Did anyone coach them up on basic management, on like you said, new age management, empathy? No. In, most people aren't. We know that, right? Yeah. So, and it's, I'm not calling them out. I want to call them in. So if you're a manager right now, just think about this for a second. Are you self-aware? Do you really have an understanding of the lives of the people around you? Because if you're only task-oriented and just focusing on efficiency, you're probably not leading those six people the way they should be lead. Yes, it's a taller ask. It's a bigger demand on you. But each one of those six individuals that you lead have to be led individually because each one of them is human. They have a different story. They have different strengths. And if we don't adapt to it, they all dial themselves down to fit into the least common denominator. I've been there. As a brown person growing in corporate America, I've been in places where I've had to dial myself down. And Toby knows me. I'm this. We've been on <laughs> events together. I mean, you uh, you lit up the room as an audience <laughs> member. When I was speaking, I was like, my God, I know how people light up the, the, the room from on stage. You lit up the room as an audience member. No, I appreciate that. But, you know, Toby, it, it, a lot of companies don't let that happen. There's so much talent that lives within the organization. And if you and I can create empathy, we can really create a world a workplace where everybody feels like they belong. That's such a special conversation and way for us to end. I could listen to you all day. And if folks want to reach out, please, I encourage you. I know personally how responsive you are on LinkedIn, how committed you are to helping folks. So if anyone wants to talk, please reach out to Ajit. Otherwise, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week. We're dropping in every Tuesday. We're bringing what we hope are awesome conversations. And until next week, make this the best week yet.